Good morning. It's good to be back this morning. It's always good to be here at Kanasaga, and, 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 and thank you so much for those words. I don't know, uh, uh, your wife must have wrote those for you or something. I don't know, but uh, we appreciate that. And, and I'll tell you what, it is an honor to serve the churches of the Sweetwater Baptist Association. We have a tremendous group of churches that do so much. But I'm here not to brag on the association or really to brag upon your pastor. I'm here to glorify Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and my Savior. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with us to Luke, the 22nd chapter, verse 31. Luke 22, 31. The, I'm glad you're getting ready for Vacation Bible School. I've been into 17 Vacation Bible Schools already. And so uh, I'm going to hit it again tonight, as a matter of fact, and uh, see some more Vacation Bible Schools. I, I, I hope to slide back down this way along about Tuesday or Wednesday evening and spend a few minutes with you. But uh, anyway, we're here uh, to worship the Lord. You know, uh, some people have the wrong idea and think that, you know, once you become a Christian, everything just flies right by. Everything is just great, grand, and glory. And then there's people that's on, on the outside of faith look at people who claim to have faith and when the people who have faith have difficulties, the people on the outside don't understand. They flat out don't understand. I had kidney stones. The first one I had I carried with me about three months and and finally, uh, the doctor put it, me in the hospital and said, we're going to have to remove that thing. And so uh, they removed the kidney stone. And, and, and what they'd put me to sleep with was Demerol. When I woke up, my insides were coming to my outside, if you understand what I'm saying. And I was in a room with another fella, and I didn't know him. And uh, I kept, they'd give me another shot of Demerol. I'd introduce that material to the pan, you know, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, finally the guy over next to me said, I thought you were a Christian. I said, I am. He said, then why are you going through this kind of stuff? I said, probably for you. <laughs> the world doesn't understand. But I want you to listen to this scripture. Stand with me if you have found Luke 22, 31 through 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, in other words, when you have finished this trial, strengthen thy brethren. Let us pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time to be in your house. We have been blessed with music, with words of testimony, words of encouragement. And Father, we just praise the precious name of Jesus. And Father, we know that anything that may have been said or done toward our credit, we know that it really goes to you. Because you are the only one that can do the things that need to be done through our lives. 
Now, Father, it's come time for the breaking of the bread. And we know, Lord, that many of these folks have come to break bread later. But, Lord, we pray that we can take just a few minutes now and break your bread of life. One that would meet a, a hunger that the food later on can't. The word that can meet a thirst that the other drink later on can't. And Father, we pray today that if that is to happen, we understand that you must be lifted up. And Father, we just pray that we might be a little podium that you can be lifted up from. And the world today and those folks here today can see you and not me. Dear Father, you preach in the way that you want to preach today. Do it in a way that people that are here will be heard, not in the way that we will be justified. But Father, we just pray that the name of Jesus Christ will be glorified. Lord, the sister's tough. And help us, Father, to communicate that today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You know, Peter, I mean, I love Peter. I mean, Peter, you know, he's, the, he's the guy that, you know, he just kind of mouths off and doesn't think about it too much. And the next thing you know, he's done, uh, made a mess of his own self, you know. Well, that's Peter. Most of us kind of relate to him, don't we? You know, we really do. And so Peter is one that thought that he was brave and courageous and, you know, and he could do all these things. And just like us, we think we're John Wayne that's been reincarnated right here in East Tennessee. But the truth is that most of us are failures that's only been reshaped by the glory of God. And that we're nothing without Him. The truth is that we're probably sitting amongst people today that are just like me. We're nothing but a bunch of failures that God is holding up. That God has done something in our lives that we're unable to do ourselves. And so here Jesus is talking to, uh, I'm, I'm going to guess one of the, the second most, most powerful human in the scriptures. I, I'm, not, I'm not referring to Jesus. Okay, he's number one. Okay, but the second human, only human, is probably Paul, and then Peter. Right? Those are the people. Now, can you imagine that Jesus has called Peter aside now, and he's looked at him face to face, eyeball to eyeball? Now, you've got to understand when this takes place. Judas has just left the Lord's supper. Judas has gone out to betray Jesus. And now they're sitting around the table and saying, I won't let you down. I won't. That's just scratching, isn't it? I won't let you down. I won't fail you. I'll stay with you to the very end. You can depend on me. I'll not turn aside. And Jesus turns to Peter, looks at him, face to face, eyeball, eyeball to eyeball, and says, I want you to know, I know you better than you know yourself. And that's true today. That he knows us a whole lot better than we know ourselves. We think that we can handle it. We think that no matter what comes, I'm going to stand with Jesus. I'm going to lift his banner high. I'm not going to wayward. I'm not going to fall down. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to be there to the very end. And the truth is, Satan wants to sift us just like he did 
Peter. Now, this is what I know about sifters. I don't use them. But my mama did. We get biscuits in a bag. They're called Pillsbury Home Style Southern, you know? You got me? But my mama, she would go to that flour bin and she'd take that cup and she'd dip it down in that flour and she'd put it in this metal thing. I got one of them at our house. It ought to be sitting up with the antiques. It had this little spinner on it. You men, you don't know what I'm talking about, ask your wife. She would take that flour and that sister and she'd put it over a bowl. And she would take that little witch-majigger on the side and begin to spin it. And there was this thing on the inside that would go round and round and round. And it would, it would, it would refine the flour. And it would dust down into the bowl. And once she got through, there were a bunch of knotheads that were still in there. Examples of you and me. And she would take those knotheads and she would throw them away. I want you to know that Satan wanted to sift Peter and what Jesus has said, just like we in those days would sift the wheat or we would sift the flour. The only difference is, is that Satan would throw away the good and keep the bad. And now he's saying, Peter, I want you to know that he's going to sift you and it ain't going to be easy. When Satan comes into our life and he begins to work on the life of a Christian, I want you to know that it isn't easy. It's difficult. It's difficult sometimes not to quit. It's difficult sometimes not to turn aside. It's difficult sometimes to say, I've had enough. It's difficult sometimes to look at someone else and say, they've got it made. It's difficult sometimes to say, oh, look at me. I'm poor, bad. I'm going through so many things people don't understand. I want you to know, Jesus said, I've already prayed for you. Yeah, he deserves a clap. I've already prayed for you. It reminds me of the song that the young fellow was singing here. He may be older than I am, but it doesn't look like it. Anyway, he sang a song about Job, right? That's what happened to Job. If you want to understand sifting, look at Job. Everything was taken from him. I mean, when your wife says, why don't you curse God and die? I want you to know she's fed up with you. She's fed up with everything you're going through. She's saying, I'd like it better if you no longer existed. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you come to the point that the one that you think loves you the most says it's time to give up, it's awfully discouraging. And Job doesn't quit. You can hear the beaters on the inside of him one after another, after another. There's been a, 
a tornado and it's blown the house down and killed your ten children and all of their family. Oh, they've come in and they've taken your, uh, all of your, uh, your, your animals. Uh, they've taken them away. Can you, the beater after beater after beater. Sometimes you think, how in the world can Christians go through so much? I want you to know that we've got a God that is so big that He can handle us when we can't handle ourselves. You've got to understand that. He has the power and the ability to keep you in the worst of times. We have no problem with Him keeping us in the best of times, do we? Oh, we like that. That's when we want to say, Oh, how I love Jesus. When it's really good. But I want you to know, when we sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, when it's really bad. When the sifter bars are coming around, one after another. Oh, look at the story of Job. Like those are his friends that come in. If you've got friends like that, you don't need enemies. Isn't that true? Job, what you do wrong? Go ahead and admit it, Job. They lived under a thing called Deuteronomic philosophy. What that means was, and this sounds like Southern Baptist. You ready? Something bad happens to us, and we say, What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? We don't understand that sometimes sifting comes along in our life. It's not to say, What have I done wrong? It's God saying, Look what I've got. I've got a precious jewel down there that can take your sifting. He can withstand it because I'm going to stand with him. I'm going to walk with him. I will not forsake him. I will not turn my back upon him. I have promised that I will be with him to the very end. And I want you to know that's my jewel down there. He can take it. Job could take it. And if you will trust Jesus Christ, you can take it. You can take it. Peter would be taken to the very edge of his faith. Would he not? He's the man who said, if they come to get you, they've got to go through me first. He meant it. He did. You go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're coming to arrest Jesus. Who is the only person that stands between Jesus and those arresting comrades? It's Peter. What does Peter do? Peter pulls a sword and he swings it at the head of Malchus, misses his head, cuts his ear off. Peter meant business. He's a man who stands his ground. Tough, rough, right? A few hours later, I'm going to tell you what, there's something about being in the presence of the Lord that gives us strength. When we stand in His presence, we know He's there. We don't fear about the enemy. We will stand and look at Him face to face, eyeball to eyeball, and say, Scat you, cat, I'm here with Jesus. But what happens when Jesus is not there in his presence? Peter's warming himself by the fire. 
it's not the devil, it's a little servant girl. Comes up to him and says, you one of them? And he said, uh-uh. You see, he's on the very edge of his faith. It's ready to break. Beater number one. A few minutes later, someone else comes and says, I know you're one of his followers. Beater number two. Uh-uh, not me. And the third one comes. I mean, Satan, when he's got you on the run and you begin to deny and you begin to turn away, I want you to know it's not going to be a one punch. He's going to come after you again and again and again and again and again. He's going to push you all the way through that screen to get you to be clumps that are thrown away. The third one comes. It doesn't show it in the King James. It's too, it's too nice. He curses. He literally curses that he doesn't know him. And at that moment, Jesus is brought out through the portico of the, of the, of, of the judgment area there. And their eyes meet. Peter on the very edge of his faith. Now, let's look at, let's go a little bit further. Let's go to verse 32. Jesus says, Peter, I want you to know something. I have prayed for you. Well, I, I mean, if Jesus prayed for us, I mean, can you imagine today when we pray and we say it in Jesus' name and Jesus turns to the Father and says, that's my child, that's when I died for. Hear that prayer. Don't you know that God's ear is attentive unto that request? Notice what, what Jesus didn't pray for. He didn't say... I prayed that your sifting would be spared. He didn't say, I prayed, Peter, it's not going to happen because I done prayed. He didn't say, because he knows the truth. The truth is, every child of God is going to go through a sifting. Every one of us has got junk in our life that needs to be gotten out. But I want you to know that Jesus is not going to throw you away. Satan will. But when we go through that time of trials, I want you to know that he's there to support us and he's going through the sifting with us. He doesn't say, you're not going to go through it. He doesn't pray. Peter, I prayed and it's going to be easy. That's what we want. Lord, I don't mind going through this, but make it easy. I'm guilty of, of, of standing over people who are dying and holding their hands and saying, Lord, if they're coming home, make their journey easy. I kind of like praying like that and say, Lord, don't take them through happy holler. You know? You don't do that. He doesn't say, Peter, I prayed and it's going to be easy. You're going to make it through flying colors. See, that's what the world outside doesn't know. Sometimes Christians stumble and fall because it ain't easy. 
It isn't easy. It's difficult. It's a hard journey. We come to this place to worship together, to get strength together, to go out and face the world together because it isn't easy. It's tough out there. Not only is it tough out there, it's tough in here. And if you've got the point you say, well, it ain't no big deal for me, then the problem is that you done been sifted and thrown away. He doesn't pray. Peter, it's going to be easy on you. He doesn't pray. Peter, you're going to win every battle. Because the truth is Christians don't. We don't win every time. But I want you to know that the victory is already ours. Don't consider your eternity based upon my failures. It won't make any difference. I want you to know that my failures won't get you there. It's the victory in Jesus. He's the one that brings us all the way to glory. He's the one that rescues us. He's the one that holds us. He's the one that the devil doesn't have the power to pluck us out of his hands. We are secure no matter what sifting we might go through. He doesn't pray those type of prayers. But this is what he prays. I pray that your faith doesn't fail. That what you are holding on to is going to get you through. Now the question is, is what you're holding on to? I want you to know I'm not holding on to the sifter. I'm not holding on to the one that's turning this machine around. I'm the one that says that I'm going to catch you when you go through it. Peter, I've already prayed that your faith won't fail. Not only that, when your faith hasn't failed you and you come through on the other side, that's really what he's talking about when it says thou art converted. It doesn't mean that you're saved again. Folks, I'm going to tell you my God is big enough to save you one time and that's all you need to be saving. You don't need to be saved again and again and again and again and again and again and again. You just need to repent again and again and again and again and again, but you're already saved. But he prays. That when you come through this, in other words, he's confident he knows that it's not going to be through Peter's power and Peter's strength that he can make it through it because Jesus is going to be with him. I'm going to go through this with you and when you come out on the other side, these are the things I want you to do. I want you to strengthen those that are still back in the sifter. Now, three words and I'm going to quit, okay? Three words. Now, don't be fooled. I'm not going to say just three words and quit, but I'm going to... I thought I'd all straighten that out. Once you've gone through the sifter, you have the ability within you by the grace of Jesus Christ to be an encourager to those who are in the sifter. You can make it because I've already been there. 
The reason we go through the things that we do is because we will encounter people who will go through the same things that we've gone through and we have the ability therefore to help those and encourage those that are going through difficult times. I know what it's like, brother. I know what it's like, sister, because I've been there. I've experienced it. I know it's tough. And I want you to know that I'm praying for you to encourage not only will you encourage, or number two, I'm moving on, is that you have the, uh, what it takes then to equip people to go through it. How did I get through it? I prayed. I read my Bible. I hung on for dear life. For what was holding on to me, I was holding on to. I wasn't going to let go. I'm holding on to it no matter what. I don't care how high the water gets. I don't know care how, how low the valley gets. It doesn't matter what's there. I'm simply going to hold on. And sometimes that's the best that we can do. You can equip others to hold on. Hold on. If we know that there's an end just inside, we can make it. We can make it. Now, how many of you, no, don't raise your hand. Every month have to say, I've got so much month and so little money. But we can make it. I want you to know you can make it. If you hold on. Hold on to your faith. And last of all, is that when you've gone through the sifting, you can empower others who are going through the sifting. How do you do that? It's not by being the typical Baptist. What the typical Baptist does when somebody's going through difficult times, we run. We don't want to have anything to do with them because we might get a little dirt on us. It seems like you and I, Ronnie, don't believe this. But I'm going to tell you what. When people are going through difficult times and they're being sifted, they make bad mistakes. They make bad decisions. And that what we do as Christians is we run away from them. And the way that we can empower them is to go back and say, let me help you. Let me hold your hand. Let me walk through this with you. Let me be a prayer partner. Let me be one that, I, here's my number. Here's my private number. Call me 24 hours a day. I will not forsake you. My God has put me in your life. I've been where you are and I'm not giving up. I'm not going to let you give up. I'm going to walk with you. You need help. I needed help and I'm going to be your help. We're going to go through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to make it through this. We're going to survive and we're going to be sifted and we're going to have a tough time but it's going to be alright my God can do all things he strengthens me we are empowered to walk with those who are suffering now <laughs> some of you are just now fixing to enter a sifting some of you are already in it and you know it. I mean, he's beating the life out of you. And some of you are on the way out. It's getting now to where you can see the end of the road. It's just about over. I'm just about home free. 
The sifting is just about done. At least I think it is. If you need help, we're here today to help you in your time of sifting. You see, Peter came through the sifting. He let a little girl push him to the very edge of his faith. But Jesus came, put his arm around him, and said, hey, my rock, feed my sheep. I've stood on the steps where Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ that day. I want you to know that's a glorious experience that man who had gone through the sifter came out on the other side prepared to preach the word of God in front of those folks that he was afraid of. No matter what, I will not stop. Peter became the real Peter after he'd gone through the sifting. Now today, if you feel like you need help, we're going to invite you to come. We're going to invite you to come to know Jesus as your Savior. We're going to come, ask you to come and, 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 and repent of your sin or just cry out, Lord, help me. I don't know what else to do, but I'm going to trust you. Whatever the need is in your life, we pray that this will be the moment as you feel the power of God touching your life that you'll come to him. I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer and at the end of that prayer, or they're going to come and get a song, and at the end of that, I want you to come and pray. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, I want you to come. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your marvelous grace. And we thank you, Father, for what you are doing today in our lives, how you're touching us, how you're calling us out of our sin, how you're preparing us to go into a sifter, how you're walking with us through the sifting, how you're bringing us out on the other side. Father, we know, Lord, that we wouldn't make it without you. And there's people here today, Lord, that just can't make it. They can't make it without you. They're ready to give up. They're ready to quit. They're ready to turn aside. They're only here today because this is a day of celebration. But, Father, they don't have any celebration in their heart. They're empty, they're cold, they're turned off. And now is the time, Father, for them to come and face that face to face and come and, and find the answer for their situation and come and fall upon their knees and fall upon their face and say, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. This is the time, O oh Lord, that you have appointed. This is the time that you have anointed. This is the time that you have given for us to call upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, Pastor.
that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing grace <coughs> the Lord has promised good to me his word my hope secures he will my share and portion be as long as life endures my chains are gone I've been set my God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. The earth shall soon like snow the sun forbear to shine but God who called me here below will be forever mine will be forever 